Welcome to Wacker Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie music to determine if an album or a band or even an entire musical movement was actually good or just the product of the hype machine of its time. Like all great podcasts, this is a direct spinoff of an unhinged group text that simply refuses to die. Per usual, I am joined by the doom rocker himself. <laughs> That's right. I'm the drone deucer, Adrian. <laughs> yeah. And I am Noah, the in-house metal novice. Oh, interesting. No, I like metal, but. But yeah. of, all of the of the three of us, and by the way, you'll probably notice that there's uh, two of us today, and we'll get into that. But of the three of the core of us, the you're probably the least, the least metal focused, maybe. I am the least, but we'll get into it on this album. This is like kind of my favorite sort of style of of uh, what you would call like heavier metal, heavy metal, heavy heavier metal, heavy metal. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> if you will. Um, yeah, let's get into it. Episode, what is it, 53? 52. 52, okay. Yeah. It's pretty good. We've done three years, once a week. Oh, oh wait, no. <laughs> well, yeah, roughly. <laughs> Give or take a few uh, few weeks here or there. No, it's fine. We're having fun here. <laughs> uh, but today we have... with us, folks. Yeah, today we have the album... Pink by the band Boris from the year 2005. Indeed. You want to go into what's their deal since we already kind of were sprinkling some breadcrumbs in there in the intro? Yeah. Do we have anything for 52 in terms of like, is there any oh, albums or like, you know, songs? 52, 52 ways to leave your lover. <laughs> is that? No, that's. Get on the road, Jack. <laughs> Better get is he good? Back, man. I don't know. I don't go back and forth. Much. The whole apartheid thing as well. Paul Simon. Yeah. I mean, I went through a huge Graceland phase. Same. Um, Just I can't really. It feels bad to listen to it sometimes now. Ryman, Paul it. Simon. <laughs> yeah, the apartheid thing because he recorded that album Graceland by Paul Simon in South Africa. But yes, there's also the added part where he robbed a bunch of los lobos music oh right so shout out to the east la mexican rockers supremely underappreciated los lobos oh, yeah, just yeah. one of one of our best rock and roll groups great great band name that's like a top top 25 i mean how can you beat that like <laughs> it just sounds tough like you you know they come out playing that that hot rock you know it's just yeah. ooh. But then I was thinking, like, isn't there a 52nd Street? And of course, Billy Joel, William Joel's 52nd Street. Which oh, is yeah, that's one of his, one of his, his iconic albums, right? Yeah, that's right. Anyways, wow. we can get into, uh, we can uh, cross. We'll do Billy Joel one of these days. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll get to Joel on our uh, on the classics. Which one would we even do? Is there Probably... like a cult Billy Joel one that we could do? What's the know. one called, like, the Joker or something? That's Steve the, Miller, right? I mean, I don't know. There's one. It's called like the something. Oh, right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. We could do his. What was his band before? Oh, it was in like a pub rock band or something like that. Yeah, or, it was yeah. like kind of cooler. Yeah. What, what are they called? 
That's a good. That's a good. Maybe we can. Uh, yeah. Maybe there's some. Yeah. There. Hmm. Billy Joel's hmm. one of those people where it's like I'm always shocked when people our age are like, I'm a huge <laughs> Billy Joel fan. I'm like, dude, that's leave that to your fucking mom. Like, <laughs> don't bring that into this generation. He doesn't need new fans. Let yeah. them die. <laughs> I yeah, true, very true. No, uh, we're not talking about Billy Joel today. No, 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 no. We're crossing an ocean. And headed over to the Isle of Japan. Japan, our first, our first Japanese. Yeah, record, our first. Yeah. What about the continent of Asia? Oh, have we done anything? Hmm, that's a good. I don't think so. It's been mostly yeah. uh, the maybe, United States. Uh, maybe like a stray country. member or some connection. Right, right. Somehow, but somewhere. we've stuck mainly to the Western world. Yeah. Let's say. So this is a this is a welcome uh, introduction and also our kind of our first foray in the metal, right? So I know, which is a shame. We mentioned Caleb's not on here. I would say the tiers of the metal fandom on on the host of this podcast would be Caleb's probably number one. Oh, just, with a bullet! Yeah, yeah. Just, to, just by looking at the guy. Yep. And then, <laughs> <laughs> then I'd say it's it's you, Adrian, number two. I'm kind of in between. I I you yeah. know I used to be. I was one of those kids that was super into it. And then, you know, now I dabble here and then when I, there's a record yeah. that's hot or Caleb. But you're also, I was joking Maxwell. like the doom rocker stuff. You're also, you love that grunge, that post hardcore, that like uh, mm. Melvin's is probably one of your favorite bands, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially King Buzzo's politics. Look into it. Uh, oh God. Not really. Not really. Uh, yeah. He's a, he's kind of an Infowars guy now, I think. Um, oh, I see that. I can but see I, that. the music was very heavily influential on me and Caleb. I'll get into it when we get to our histories, but um, certainly all those bands, as well as like you know post metal bands like ISIS and Neurosis and mm. bands of that ilk. Yeah. And then, so what? Um, just give us a general breakdown. What do you say Boris's deal is? Yeah. So Caleb actually, I don't know. If we'll, we'll have a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a uh, message from Caleb there. Just a little tease there. But uh, Caleb will get into it a bit in his message. But basically, Boris came up in the Japanese uh, like rock scene. I, I don't know if you know too much about Japanese rock and roll music or like. I know they they love their noise. Yes, they do. Yep, experimental stuff. And Boris certainly, there. Boris is like an experimental rock noise group first yeah, and foremost, and which then is, they have albums that like shift towards more of the rock inside and then more mm -hmm. of the noise side right or landscapey kind of sound side yeah so in japan rock and hard rock especially is pretty popular both above and below ground boris came up in sort of the underground scene where there is a lot of like noise and you know overlap between these bands where there's like you know noise and and garage rock and and power pop and things like that it's all kind of intermingling in you know in the in the 90s and Boris kind of, as we're talking about like the Melvins or some of these heavier bands, you know, obviously Black Sabbath and things like that from the past, oh, yeah. but they really took that vein. And then a big, another big band for, uh, that was influential was Earth, which yeah, is- Yeah, you uh, can hear that on here, that stoner, doom kind of- The doom drone thing, which, yeah. you know, especially early Earth, I think they've kind of, uh, you know, evolved in kind of this something a little bit more mm -hmm. uh, ornate as times have moved on, um, which is still pretty spare. And, uh, you know, I love Earth, one of my favorite bands, as, as well as Caleb's. Yeah, I like Earth, too. See, that's my 
my pace of metal. I like the mm. doom stoner guy, the guys that look like they're on heroin rather than <laughs> the guys that like paint their face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, and I love both and Caleb, you know, as well. So that's a nice balance, but um, so yeah, they came up in the, in that kind of underground rock scene. It's funny actually, because I think worldwide Boris is much more known elsewhere. And in Japan, they're kind of a cult item, <laughs> which is really funny, but yeah. um. But yeah, they basically they came up out of Tokyo and they at this point they're I mean, they're extremely prolific. At this point they're like, I don't know, you know, 50 records deep, let's say or something or 50 recordings deep, let's say plus. I don't oh, even wow. know. That's that but just throwing out a number here. I mean, it's pretty deep. Yeah, cuz um, they're always making EPs, collaborations, EPs, singles, collabs yeah. constantly over the past, yeah. you know, um 30 years of their existence. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so, yeah, they came out of kind of that noisy, rocky scene. I mean, they've and they've collaborated, with, as we're saying, with a lot of the artists from that scene as well. You know, Mersbau is one of the biggest, most well-known noise acts in the world. And they've collaborated with them a couple of times, uh, as well as some other people. Uh, there's a Japanese, a Japanese band called Ghost. I know there's various other rock and metal bands called Ghost around the world. But this Japanese rock band called Ghost, the guitarist also they, is very influential. And um, his name is escaping me at the moment. But. Uh, he's also collaborated with Boris. But anyways, the point being, they came out of a, a specific scene, but kind of broke their broke out and just, you know, discovered their own sort of sound, melding all of these different things, the drone parts, the hard rock parts, the, you know, the the deeper metal, extreme metal parts, mm -hmm. all of it's kind of melded into one thing. Yeah. And in this album, you get a little bit of all of that. Yes. You get, yes. You get stoner, you get drone, you get thrash, you get doom, you get hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> Which so like if yeah like you're saying they're pretty prolific but this yep. would this is kind of a perfect place to start even though they've been around for what almost twenty years at this point no, no, uh, well at this point uh, oh yeah yeah so at this point they're about fifteen to twenty 15, probably yeah. about fifteen to twenty years deep yeah um so it, they they had been around and they had already I mean this is you know we'll we'll get into it but this is their tenth record like their tenth, tenth. yeah. So and it sounds like it could be like this killer debut, like kind of like we're going to throw every idea, like every influence, every band that we like, every mm -hmm. song, that every style of metal that we like. And let's channel it into like our own thing. Right. Like today we're going to be My Bloody Valentine. Tomorrow we're going to be yeah. Motorhead. The next day we're going to be, you know, the yeah, damn oh, or whatever. Motorhead's a good, good uh, signpost for these guys too. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, they're. They're rockers, you know. Mm -hmm. Do you have a review for us, Adrian? Oh, yeah. Does Pitchfork have a review? Yes. Or those kooky kids over there at Pitchfork <laughs> thinking about this album from Boris from the year 2005. Pink. Yeah, so Pitchfork actually has been pretty high on these guys, uh, or at least they've they've covered them pretty extensively, I think. Especially after this record, they really became a big kind of big in the independent, you know, uh, independent music scene or whatever you want to say online. And, and you know, Pitchfork definitely helped with reviews like this. Uh, so this one in particular got a 8.7, which is pretty Whoa. high, especially for a metal record. Like there's actually at the I time. Wish, I, yeah. like a 
Well, also just like in general, like they always tend to give metal, even if it's a very good metal, it'll be like a 7.9 and it won't get a best new music. Like they That's never true. really, they always give it a little bit of short shrift. There's certain artists and certain albums that they, they obviously like, oh, this is, this is kind of rises above that. But for the most part, the extreme music and the metal music gets kind of relegated yeah. to the, the sevens. Um, but this one, 8.7, that's that's pretty good. Uh, and then Best New Music, it did indeed get that. So this was really, really highly acclaimed. It was reviewed by Brandon Stussy, Stosui, uh, Stussy. He, who he did a lot of their kind of metal and heavier records. Uh, He's a resident punk rocker. One, one of them. <laughs> you know, he's one of the resident, you know, heavier guys. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't seen him uh, right there for a little bit, but he was uh, pretty prolific for a while for over the years. But I pulled a couple of paragraphs here. It's not that very, it's not very long review. And it's actually pretty, pretty clear for a pitchwork review from that time. I think this is kind of an in-between time when Pitchwork was getting a little bit more established as kind of a voice and uh, yeah, an important voice where they're, they're like in their Kingmaker era right. a little bit. Exactly. So they're shedding some of that like self-consciousness and like that post-collegiate shit. And so these things are a little bit more uh, earnest. But uh, anyways, I pull a little, uh, a kind of a long excerpt here actually. So bear with me, but it covers a lot of what, uh, what we're talking about here. In underground metal years, Boris are senior citizens. Their self-release debut full-length Absolute Ego dates back to 1996, and compilations were hosting the material two years prior to that. But as invigorating as some of their earlier records are, the band didn't begin to gain a substantial following outside the metal world until 2003's outstanding Akuma no Uta. Parodying of the artwork of Nick Drake's Brighter Later struck a chord with independent music fans seeking an antidote to the more polite pop sounds of The Shins, Sufian, and Death Cab for Cutie. Now, following more than a decade of hard labor and a swarm of 2005 releases, the trio gives their ever-expanding audience something to chew on. Pink is their best album yet, and by some distance the most accessible of their career to date. The past 12 months have been increasingly kind to louder and more challenging artists, but even if Sun hadn't drawn onto discerning hipsters' iPods, it's not difficult to imagine the awesomeness of Pink, a supremely well-paced rock and roll album that's quickly winning over even long-suffering metalphobes, helping these Japanese veterans leapfrog indie kids into a New York Times art and leisure mention. If you don't believe me, sneak a listen to the Spaced Out 7-Minute Opener, which manages to combine the best elements of classic British shoegaze and Sigurose with bliss-out metal faves Yesu and Isis. Just don't bank on the rest of the album to follow in its footsteps. After all, the three folks behind it, guitarist Wada, bassist vocalist Takeshi, and drumming vocalist Atsuo, are the same Adam Smashers who nicked their name from a Melvin song, operate the Walmart-friendly Fang's Anal Satan record label, and downshift <laughs> from blown-out Motorhead to Earth on a Dime. They've collaborated thrice with Merzbau, worshipped amplifiers with multitasking experimental rock legend Keiji Haino, and chilled with noise legend Masona. Put simply, they're too restless and ambitious to fixate on a single style. Yeah. It's funny that he said the metal phobe thing because mm -hmm. I wouldn't say by 2005, I wasn't necessarily a metal phobe, you know, but I, I'm just never a metal head. Yeah. And certainly uh, you're by, being, I mean, we, we were playing it constantly, you know, and you were yeah. hanging around. So it's not like you weren't hearing the stuff that we were listening, you know, stuff yeah. like this. So at the time in 2005, though, yeah, I was more of an indie rock kid, more of a punk rock lean towards but like i always loved you know sabbath and 
but it wasn't until later for me, I think, with metal when I really when I probably when I moved to Oakland and started going to shows with mm. my brother because Oakland's a, always been a big metal type of town, big hub for metal, yeah. Yeah, and so just when you see a metal show, I mean, that's kind of like it's hard to deny. Like, oh yeah, this is rad. Like, it's so powerful. I, I love yeah. seeing metal live to this day, even if I don't <laughs> listen to it a lot. I'll go to a metal. If somebody has a ticket, like, hey, you want to come to the show? Yeah, I'll be like, fuck come, yeah. Want to come to the show with and like the, 10 And that's bands. any any genre of metal I like seeing live. Yeah, I mean, I'll agree. Like, yeah, and certainly there's terrible bands that I've seen that have just like been awful, but even like low rent metal bands or bands that are yeah. just less known, like they can put on a great show compared to like, you know, whatever, a singer songwriter or a pop. Like, that's yeah, all kind of, yeah. well, you know, we know where we're boring. getting boring. But like it's always vital and exciting to see a metal band or a, a heavier band or like a punk band or whatever. It's always like kind of exciting. There's something there's an element of danger to it. I don't know. It's just it's not really danger, but it is it's like contained danger. And, you know, I yeah. don't know. It's hard to explain. It's like, you know, caged heat, basically, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And we'll talk about that first song. Farewell. I have that as a slap. But what he's saying in the review, it is a pretty good hook to like kind mm-hmm. of. It sounds very much 2005. Like it sounds like that sweeping guitar rock. I mean, stuff that was around. He mentions shoegaze and things like that, and even Brit pop and stuff. You could hear a little Stone Roses in there. But mm, yeah, to me, I think about um, like explosions in the sky and mm-hmm. that kind of post rocker type guys that kind of, or even a band we've covered here before, like Annual Noah's by The Trail of Dead. Yeah. For that sure. sweeping sound. And um, I had forgot about that song when I revisited this album on this on these listens. And I was like, oh, yeah, they had that kind of indie rock thing to kick things off. But the difference with them is they still punctuate everything with this just this heavy guttural guitar drops and like the beat drops out and the, you know, the heaviness is always there. Yeah, they never... They never straight well. It depends on the on the release, but they very rarely stray too far from the very very heavy and more like Joni and yeah. uh, riffy even. Isn't there isn't there sort of like a code with their albums? The yeah. albums where it's all caps when they spell Boris are like yeah. the heavier ones, and then the lowercase ones are the more experimental, a little more ephemeral kind of. I think, I think there's something to that. I can't remember exactly. I don't know if it's a one to one, but right. But there's, there's definitely, you can definitely jump from album to album and hear a lot of different things going on. And some are more droney heavy. Some are more, you know, uh, light and almost poppy at times on the later releases. So they, they really run the gamut. But as as we're saying here, and as the, the review touched on, like this one is kind of a Whitman sampler, right? Like it's everything that they do and everything they do very well and mm-hmm. executed like perfectly and it's kind of remained the one i mean they've released a lot of records since then and they had a lot you know a lot before but it kind of remains the one piece that is like still kind of indelible like yeah i've, I've listened to a lot of their stuff and i like a lot of it but a lot of it is also just i mean w- w- with just the the numbers they're putting out obviously it's not always going to hit right um it's always interesting obviously it's always 
done very well, but you know, it just, it never really has uh, achieved the heights of this. I mean, a, a, a few times here and there, but this is really kind of a pinnacle for them. And mm -hmm. it's, it is the perfect entryway, not just for them, but also for like, yeah, for metal and heavier music and, and maybe things that indie kids that were listening to the shins might not uh, yeah. pick up, but because it got a cosign from pitchfork because it kind of blew up in the underground, you know, spin or whatever other articles or, you know, guitar magazines running articles with Wata and things like that. Like they're getting more coverage and becoming kind of a bigger band here yeah. uh, within that scene versus even the metal scene. Oh, for uh, sure. The cr they kind of crossed over a little bit. Right. And, uh, and I'll get to it in my history, but just the, the album cover and the name of the album was very like, if you were sort of like blind buying a CD at the Best Buy or whatever, you might be like, oh, what? Oh, this looks cool. Like, what is this? Like, is this some, are these like some New York indie rockers or whatever? You know, it doesn't read metal per se. Like, no, it's at... not black. There's not like skulls. Yeah. I mean, the, well, it depends on which version you're getting, actually. Like, yeah, I like but... the stenciled one, the, the stenciled, kind of the classic, the pink yeah. on pink, the off pink on the hot pink on whatever. What is it called? like electric pink or something yeah so that is the original japanese artwork or uh, blue pink or something what do they call that color i should ask my wife she's a big pink pink head not the <laughs> not the pop artist but the the color itself uh it's very vivid pink i don't know it's um it's definitely not millennial pink i'll tell you that uh <laughs> But uh, but yeah. So if you're looking at the 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 reissue cover, it's got like an Albrecht Durer. I don't know if you know that artist. He's he's like a um. He does a, he did a lot of engravings and things in the back of yeah. the day and a printmaker. But they're always familiar. a lot of a little dark and have like a lot of like themes of like you know death and things that was going. You know, obviously he lived in a different time that was probably a lot more a lot darker yeah. day to day and survived us. the plague for Christ's sake. No, I don't right. know if he's, <laughs> I don't know yeah, the timeline. Yeah. Exactly. Albert Durer, I think <laughs> I can't remember if it was, I think I believe it was the 1600s, but, but anyways, it's, it's a very kind of like esoteric and specific, you know, cover that would feel like, Oh, this, this could pass. Like, yeah, this could, you could put this on and it could be death cap for cutie or whatever. Right. Like you wouldn't be surprised yeah. if that popped out of the, 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 the CD when you put it on. But, you know, and it's really this moment where they became accessible. And I think that if other if uh, in the hands of other bands, music like this would fall flat, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I think you fall you start to fall into like the darkness territory of self parody. Yeah, that's a good call. Like the reason that these guys are so successful and the reason why this did cross over is because not only is it like performed and executed like exceptionally well, but it, it also is done without any irony. It's not like they're like mm -hmm. laugh, like they genuinely love motorhead. They genuinely love the Melvins. They genuinely oh, yeah. love these bands, these influence, my bloody Valentine. And they incorporated it into their, into their DNA in such a way that like it mm -hmm. just comes out and it's masterful and it's not winking. Yeah. It's not like, it's uh, their they like unloaded their record collection you know right. they're like yeah have some little boogie on here a little exactly funky 
it's like metal throughout all history throughout the whole world it's like let's 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 do it or and even have like a punk rock aesthetic like that album cover with the kind of spray paint stencil yeah. look like that could be kind of a punk rock like sure oh like a little snooty like i made it pink but like we're you know grimy punk rockers kind of thing exactly yeah well it sounds like we're kind of chomping at the bit to get into it here i can do a little bit of a background here before we get into our personal yeah let's do some history so this band is not terribly known for being like there's not a lot of background on these guys i mean they've obviously they put out a lot of releases and they're known for that but they don't really like to talk about themselves i think that's probably a japanese thing um and i think only one of them speaks english so it's Mm -hmm. it's kind of they're kind of mysterious which definitely works for their aesthetic and for their whole deal i and I think with like social media, they be, they become a little bit more, you know, you can learn a little bit more. But for the most part, like it's basically like the story is, you know, they started in Japan in Tokyo in the in the mid nineties. There's originally four of them. Uh, I forget the other member's name. I can find it now. The yeah. other member was uh, he was Nagata. the original drummer. He, uh, he was the original drummer. Yes, and uh, Takeshi was the original lead singer. And he moved to the drums once Nagata left and they became, they kind of locked into the three piece. Yeah. Good old fashioned power trio. Yeah. Shout out motorhead. Right. Exactly. Right. In the same vein, you know, even back to cream. I mean, there's some psychedelic elements here that are like pretty outstanding. A lot of wah work, which is just sure. I love a power trio. I mean, Nirvana, there's been so many, Thin Lizzy. Oh, well, yeah, ZZ Top, we've covered them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just when a power trio hits, there's like nothing better because they're so locked in because it's like nothing wasted, kind of like no fat. It, you there's have no, to... you can't hide anybody. No, right. <laughs> it's all there. It's all that. Like it's, it's, uh, it, it's all out on the stage. And if you fucking fail, you fail. But like when it locks yeah. in and it's good and the three people are like, have the yeah. chemistry like these and they're bands. always i mean i'm sure in the studio that it's not like just they're not recording live like bass guitar drums well, singing but it like depends because sometimes they do do that but yes yeah, but you they know, have they, an eye towards like when we play this live like we are gonna hit it with just mm-hmm. three of us so like let's 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 keep it so it's like a driving thing like Yes, you know, if yes, you're gonna yes. guitar solo, you got a guitar solo. If you're gonna have that nasty bass line, then it's all you. Like there's nowhere to hide. Like, well, the other interesting thing, and one thing I love uh, about this band is that, again, no irony. The the Atsuo, he has a bass guitar. So like, yeah. or I'm sorry, not Atsuo. I keep flipping them around. So Takeshi is the bass guitar. Atsuo yeah, is the drums, percussion singer uh-huh okay and but i Wata think they both sing don't they they all three of them sing mm-hmm. um but takeshi is the the the, the kind main. of the, the the front man yeah. uh this classic front man let's say Great okay voice too. Yeah. incredible voice but anyways he plays a literal guitar bass like it's half guitar yes. half bass like bottom <laughs> i think i think it's like the top is the bass and the bottom is the guitar or maybe reversed anyways he plays it super well and he can like jump between them on a drop of a dime and that's kind of how they fill out their sound live so he can you know he can play bust out a bass line uh and then jump to like play a riff record that riff so it loops and then you know wata can do her thing over it yeah. and then he can bust out the bass and it's just and then just the drumming too like 
Uh, drums are incredible. And we mentioned it before we recorded, Adrian, like Wata is like a a goddess of a guitar player. I mean, my God. She is one. And actually, she was just listed as, I believe, what was it? So Rolling Stone just dropped their best guitarists. Uh, oh, I got to check time. that out. Yeah, She's I haven't checked one. it out. Prince? Mostly because uh i don't i'm not sure i haven't really checked it out because uh uh i don't really like rolling stone too much in the writing well, you but check out uh jan werner's new book it's very cool it's <laughs> oh, about how like, yeah. only white dumb fuck guys from the 60s are articulate enough to talk about music well yeah very the, cool thesis for a book what the hell was that about, 2023 <laughs> Like Jesus Christ! Like I can't believe that. I mean, Dude, boomer, all, shut up! Nobody wants to hear you talk about things like that anymore. <laughs> like even if you believe that, you would think. I mean, I guess these guys have gone on so long that they don't, you know, they don't suffer any repercussions or anything, and they don't like he's so above everything else that like enriched that it doesn't matter really. Like he, this, I mean, obviously it already blew over, and I'm sure he's still selling tons of those books. But oh yeah, he said some fucking racist shit, and it's just like. Damn, like they so cling to like the power of rock and roll in the 60s right. and 70s that they're like blind. And that only by white it. guys can do it. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. Like you're telling me that Stevie Wonder, like Curtis May, these guys <laughs> couldn't te- like couldn't articulate. They're like, are you kidding me? Like that's that's just and also, racist. <laughs> yeah, but and also a lot of those fucking annoying ass rockers, like you're whatever. They're not Pete, saying nothing. Pete Townsend, yeah, they they're coked up and they're like, Yeah, <laughs> if you'll listen, I'll talk for five hours about some rock and roll whereas like curtis mayfield's like yeah i don't know man you're fucking weirding me out get out of my <laughs> dressing room like i got a show to play i don't have time for this <laughs> yeah anyways so uh yeah she came in at number 92 on the rolling stones list which is pretty good I on the, the 200 yeah, yeah. Um, but she rips and live like it's incredible and it's, especially because like it's the classic kind of japanese cool where like she just like it's just so effortless for her and like the other two like they're going nuts like obviously the drummer he's going crazy and um takeshi is is you know going off as the lead singer but uh she's just over there with her pedals you know and her giant les paul and she's just fucking killing it and uh you know oh, it is ripping. A les paul a standard. yeah uh i believe it is a les paul custom from the 70s oh, yes very nice. yeah very they nice, have yeah. that 70s sort of aesthetics and tone a little bit yeah Mm -hmm. especially like uh i love the heavy rock series album covers uh the first heavy rocks album is great a very great stoner rock record i was checking that out a couple days ago super super heavy super good uh if you like stoner rock and the cover is very 70s very classic and it has that kind of tone on tone thing that we were talking about uh with pink but to get into some more specific background about this album, Boris's Pink was written and recorded throughout 2005 at Sound Square in Tokyo, Japan. It was produced by the band themselves, Wata, Atsuo, and Takeshi. It was released by Diophalanx. I don't know how to say it. It's D-I-W Phalanx. So. Sounds good. Diphalanx, let's just say, records in Japan on November 18th, 2005, and it was reissued in the U.S. on May 16th, 2006 by Southern Lord, and I think I'm going to assume that that's probably the one that most of us know. Uh, Southern Lord. A great, great record label run by the fella from Sun. It's 
prolific metal record label at this point. Check out really any any band on there. You'll you'll find some good stuff. LA, right? Uh, I think it's like LA and maybe it was in the South at some point. I can't recall exactly. Uh, I, you, I, this is where we need Caleb, Caleb to give know, us the, yeah. the specifics. Yeah, like more tattoo. He could, yeah, he could go <laughs> off on the specifics of this, tell you the dates and everything. Um, uh, but as we mentioned, this is Boris's 10th full length record. Uh, they have many, many releases, but this year specifically, they were coming off of the heels of two collaborations with Merzbau. And it was when it was released in late 2005. So this is like one of a number of releases just within 2005 for them. And interestingly enough, it varies depending on the format you have. So on the CD, there's a specific track list for the Japanese uh, version. It got altered a bit and extended for the Southern Lord reissue. I think one song got extended and then things got switched around a bit. And then for the LP, the vinyl record, uh, that got extended even longer and things got shifted around as well. And that has like a whole other vibe to it that apparently is like kind of from what I was reading online, fans think that that's kind of one of the definitive one of, if not the definitive version. I don't know. I I've, I'm always, I've always listened to the Southern Lord version and I think that it's, so I listened to the shortest record. version, like 11 songs, 47 minutes or whatever. Yeah. That's so that's the Southern Lord version. So I think that that's closer that's kind of the closer to the Japanese original yeah. and, and and I like whatnot. the length of it. It's like yeah, a lot it's of songs perfect. and like yeah, but it's pretty goes pretty quick and there's a couple of long jammers. Yeah, which they never feel that long, even though they're yeah. like seven and eight, nine minutes or whatever. Uh, but the with the extended track list, it comes into seventy three minutes with that you know long yeah. player. So I was um, looking, for, I was scouring. Oakland record stores just for it's like the original of, LP. And yeah. I don't know if it really is no, out there. I don't think that the original, I think the very original one, which was released, I believe like a year later in Japan. Yeah, maybe. I went to like four stores in the last, it's pretty rare. Or so and I couldn't find it. They did reissue it. I believe in the early two thousands, if not in 2016 for the 10th anniversary. Yeah. But yeah, that if you can track that down fan, Everything I'm reading from uh, like the fan, the fan blogs and fan pages on Reddit, uh, that's kind of a great definitive version of this record. Um, nice. But anyways, uh, I don't have too much specifics about this, but I do have one thing here. The song Blackout was originally written and performed in the early 90s or earlier in their career in the 90s. Uh, so that's kind of a holdover from from back in the day. But the rest is all, you know, kind of fresh during this time frame. And interestingly enough, a music video was produced for this record for the title track, but it was limited to release on a uh, hundred DVDs. So Whoa. that's an, another rare release. Uh, they always have limited cash. stuff going on. Yeah, I'm sure it is. It it was subsequently re, uh, released as a bonus with the album Smile, uh, like the the uh, limited the edition Wilson version of that. Man. Yes, with Brian Wilson's Smile. I think also, and... 2005. If I'm not. Mistaken. It was uh, you know, a little, it was a BNB, you know, Airbnb <laughs> crossover that they put together. Anyways, I bet you Brian Wilson likes Boris. Have you ever heard it? You know, I think a guy <laughs> like I think he would appreciate at the very least. Maybe I don't know if it would be to his taste, but who knows? Who He'd knows? Be like love and mercy, love and mercy, my friend. Whereas on the other hand, I think Boris probably loved the Beach Boys. And, oh God, you know? yeah, for sure. I mean, you you mentioned it before how they did that. Nick Drake, brighter later. Mm -hmm. homage homage i think that's how i first kind of heard 
Boris or heard of Boris really just because of that album cover. I was like, oh, that's it's clever. great. It's so, so spot you, on. So you know they're so steeped in seventies and mm-hmm. yeah. The well, yeah, and not just classic rock because obviously Nick Drake is you know a little bit more out there, a little bit more. Yeah, but he has like weird guitar tunings and yeah. stuff like that. So you right. can tell they're like he's a weirdo. Exactly, he's a fellow weirdo, fellow yeah. fellow traveler on this uh, weird weird uh, world that we uh, as musicians. Where was I here? So yeah, so. On the 10th anniversary, an expansive reissue was released by Sergeant House. That's in that was in 2016, and it featured a bonus disc of additional tracks that were recorded at the same sessions. And it's called Forbidden Songs, and I think it's like a full second record. Uh, I haven't listened to this. I you know I never. I think this was during a time where maybe I wasn't listening to as much heavy music, but I believe that that's probably worth tracking down from everything I've read. Again. Uh, the reviews of this said that it was um, that some of these songs could have made the album, but they're just uh, a lot of little gems on there. So maybe seek right. that out if uh, if you like this stuff. Very nice. And they did indeed tour with Earth to support that. So you know, kind of a full circle moment there with their one of their influences, uh, cool. where they played Pink in its entirety. But at, at this time, this was kind of their most accessible. I think probably still is. There may be a couple that's they've released since that it may be a little bit more mellow. And easier to, to 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 handle, but this one was definitely upon release met with critical acclaim, um, and it kind of became sort of a landmark in metal. There is artists doing similar things, mixing you know various genres together and things, but I think this this was the first time that it was really like an independent artist. It's like saying I'm going to mishmash all of these influences and filter them through our own sound and be really successful with it, where it's like you know we're melding my bloody valentine with a heavy metal you know but like not it and it's not going to be cheesy or you know sound like crap uh or it's not going to be like here's a metal song and now here's the right shoegazy song there's a little bit of that on this album but it all blends as like a one long movement every song bleeds into the next every the sequence in sequencing on this album just makes total sense it's it's pretty locked in like you know from top to bottom just from the yeah the track listing the tightness of the songs like all the elements work together even if it is like yeah they're doing a i mean there's a there's a whole little ambient track on here for fuck's sake like that could be like an eno track you know (laughs) um but yeah so it got a lot of acclaim and it ranked pretty high on a lot of critics lists for a metal album um it came in at number nine on pitchfork's top 50 of 2006 it was 69 nice on coke machine glow's top 100 of the 2000s uh rest in peace coke machine glow and it was came at 22 and 65 on tiny mixtapes favorite albums of 2006 and favorite albums uh favorite 100 albums of 2000 to 2009 respectively Damn, uh, the latter by the end of the decade yeah and also uh well actually i think it was 22 on the 2006 and 65 on the 100 oh, for man. that not uh not bad but anyways uh rest uh, rip tiny mixtapes as well mixtapes yeah they're good two fantastic publications they're like the little punk rock brother of Pitchfork. <laughs> yeah, they got they they got into some of the weirder stuff, and they also uh, took the piss out of a lot of the stuff that Pitchfork was praising, which yeah, was nice. Yeah, they liked the more like purely indie goofball music over there. Yeah, and some of the more like smaller, experimental, sound. and yeah. weirder shit for sure. Weirder shit, yeah, yeah, uh, cool. 
but that that about covers Boris and Pink here. So uh, maybe we can take a little quick break. Let's and then... take a break. We'll hear Caleb's voicemail, and yep. then we'll we'll clown him for like ten minutes, <laughs> and then we'll do our histories, our personal histories on this great album, Boris's Pink from the year twenty oh five. Indeed. All right, we're back. So let's hear from our wayward co-host, our erstwhile father, the papa of the pod, Caleb, Mr. Metal himself. Yeah, the uh, big daddy himself. That's right. So as how you long made... is this voicemail? Like twenty-five minutes? <laughs> uh, something like that. No, it's uh, it's not short, but it's also it's pretty good. So we'll we'll okay, listen to good. it in its entirety. But how many ums and ahs does he do? <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll snip those in post. But uh, no, that's fine. we kid. there's some. We even get a little bit of a glimpse of uh of the new the new the new boy in action. So, uh, yeah, we're good. The the new kid, he looks like he's going to be a little metalhead. I'll just <laughs> say that. I've met him nice. a couple times now. Yeah, sweet Uncle sweet Mel. little kid. Freaking just sleeps. Nice. He's, yeah, nice kid. Yeah, so as we're as we're talking as we were discussing here, Caleb's obviously off. He's he's had a child and we'll let him talk about uh, his experience with that, uh, this record, uh, well, he does his thing. So here we go. What's up, boys? This is your uh, host out here in Babyland yet again. We did it. Actually holding the new little fella right now. It's very special. Wish I was there, though, because uh, this album that y'all are covering this week, Songs me. It's a very fucking big one. It's a it's a big album. You might even say it's the biggest album we've covered. Not in terms of units moved or hype or anything, but just like sheer volume. Sheer like heaviness, just like massive sonics. It's a it's a gigantic album in that way. In its scope in its variety, it's just overwhelming in a way. Of course, I'm talking about Pink by the Venerable Boris of Japan. Yeah, fucking tremendous album. It, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's just a tremendous album. You know, like I was kind of saying earlier, it's very varied, you know? There's the first song is definitely like a shoegaze song. And then there's just straight up like motorheadic, Fucking jams on there. There's a good amount of punk and crust and hardcore thrown in there when they kind of pick it up a little bit. There's like sick, sweet pop hooks, you know. Um, and then there's just a whole bunch of just kind of drone work par excellence, if you will. Yeah, just amazing, epic songs, you know, with a lot of layers and peaks and valleys and directions that it goes in all while maintaining just this scene of like heaviness and almost otherworldliness and you know it's just a very singular album boris is a very singular band you know they came up you know japan's really deep metal scene um and psychedelia which has always had this just this depth 
to it and this experimental edge that other similar, you know, types of heavy music, doom, sludge, what have you, and other parts of the world just didn't. You know, they're a little bit more, I don't know, gritty, um, maybe indebted to, you know, uh, like metal or, you know, kind of tough guy, hardcore stuff. Uh, I'm not going to get into all of that. That's for my, that's for my personal podcast. I'm <laughs> dive into metal subgenres, but, um, yeah, the Japanese stuff, just, there's just this attention to just scale and length and just, I don't know. It's just, it's so much less like commercial and like bad ass tough guy oriented, you know, there's just something just thinking persons about it, you know, which is really, really cool. And, you know, this album came out 2005, you know, Boris had been around for a good number of years prior to it coming out, but this is kind of a pivotal album for them. You know, it kind of took the really more doomy, heavy, you know, kind of classic rock almost inflected stuff and it mixed it with their drone stuff that they'd been doing. Uh, with other albums, stuff that's more experimental and textural and soundscapey, like the record Flood, um, really good. You should check that out. And it kind of just put it together, combined it together, and then just tweaked it ever so slightly to where it had this just really strong approachability. You know, I wouldn't call this a pop record, but I would call this a rock record. You know, it is. You could also call it a metal record and a lot of people have, or just kind of under the umbrella of heavy music. But at the end of the day, it just rocks. And it really shows what really well-made rock music, rock music that is intellectual, that is artistically driven, um, that, you know, cares about history and bringing alien aspects into it and whatnot, you know, an outsider music kind of uh, influence into what, what it can achieve. You know, and um, yeah, this is just a excellent album. Pink just goes all the way in, you know, in so many different directions. From top to bottom, it's just a fucking sick, sick album. I got into it in college, you know. I Boris is a cool band because, you know, I grew up more or less kind of like a rocker kid, you know, into punk and metal and then hardcore and then you know, metalcore and death metal and all that. And then, you know, as I got into college and kind of up in my regimen of tally weed and other sorts of substances, I might, I like kind of drifted away from metal a little bit, just kind of the culture I was around and kind of got more into indie rock, psychedelic music, you know, folk, that kind of thing, kind of mellowed out a little bit. But then bands like Boris, Sun, Earth, like Nausea, kind of dronier stuff, a lot of stuff like on Alienate Records, Constellation Records, you know, stuff that was like heavy, but not necessarily just like that searing extreme metal sound, you know, there's some kind of warmth and depth to it, and I can kind of relate it to, you know, the psychedelic kind of indie rock stuff I might have been more into at that point, and, but then it just brought me back into heavy music, and um, really is a space that I've stayed in for, you know, 15 or plus years you know thanks to bands like boris kind of yeah just showing us like how how deep and just fucking awesome uh, like a heavy band could be you know without also being pretentious or being pretentious in all the right ways you know in all the right directions like i don't know i, I kind of uh defend navel gazy stuff and 
pretension sometimes. You know, it's kind of kind of brings us our best uh, stuff. Honestly, you know, people got to try shit. But you know, Pink uh, Boris isn't that bad. But you know, they do have some bad stuff on. Yeah, fucking Pink. What more can I really say about it? It's a tremendous album. Really glad that we got to cover it. I'm bummed I'm not there to, you know, actually uh, be in the the booth on the Zoom call with y'all. But you know, daddy duty calls. And um, but I'm happy to yeah share this with y'all. Hope you guys are doing well. Thank you for covering this album. I know you guys are doing it justice. Be very interested to see what Noah and Adrian have to say about it because you guys you know have very Catholic tastes like me. But you're maybe less into the heavy stuff, I want to say. So, yeah, I just want to see how this album hits you all, too. So, really looking forward to it. Yeah, to say, Pink, great album. I'm going to recommend that you guys listen to most of Boar's stuff. They kind of went in some weird, cool directions from here, too. All the shit before that was dope. They have a straight-up hardcore album called Vane that I recommend. They got noise records. They got a little something for everyone. So, if you like to, like, you know toast a bone and walk around or fucking wear a denim jacket, grow your hair out a little bit. They're a good band for you. You know, it's good, good shit to kind of just expand your mind to. So, um, yeah, recommend them. Recommend them highly, fellas. Thanks again. I hope you guys are doing well. I'm going to cut this off as to not eat up more time than I need to. And, uh, yeah, I hope you guys are having a good rest of your episode. Keep it cool, keep it pink, keep it heavy. Aight, free Palestine. Out. Oh, nice. Yes. Very good. Um, yeah, I think he was met, kind of mentioned a lot that uh, we're, we were talking about. And it's kind of funny because, yeah, he was saying how he is a, a super kind of metalhead guy. Mm-hmm. But but he did c- kind of have the conceit that yeah this is a kind of an accessible version of uh, of a lot of heavy music which which is to say nothing to take away from the the heaviness of the actual music but there it, it, there's like a almost like a catchiness almost like a groove to this album that mm-hmm. sometimes you don't get in more noisier music. Yeah, I think this is it's a nice entryway in for that reason because it does have grooves, it does have things that you can latch on to. Uh, even in the times where it gets more wild and out there and spaced out, they always um, are in control and keep you right along with them. So it's not like you're like, what the fuck is this? This is weird. Uh so it, it, you know, I think this is a nice because like if you start with a band like Neurosis or like Nausea that he, Caleb's talking about or like Isis even it can be a little bit more of a of a leap, especially if you're coming from, you know, the Decemberists. It's <laughs> it's not quite the, but yeah. th- but this one's just a little bit more consumable. And also, I think it is kind of the perfect length for on the CD here, which is like the 47 minute version. Like it's kind sure. of the perfect le- length to consume. The songs, you know, there's a wide variety of lengths, but they never, none of them ever overstay their welcome, even when they're like nine minutes long or eight minutes long. Yeah. So it's like it's it's it, it is a nice entryway into it where they're they're touching on and, and you know using all these tropes and all these all this stuff from the bands that they love and you know it's coming out great but it's also like it is pleasant to listen to you know where some of this other stuff is is pleasant to listen to in a different way and but it, it could be a little bit more offset uh, you know uh, putting to people yeah. so 
he's absolutely spot on on that. And also, like he's saying, like Boris is the kind of band where like this is this is such a good record that that encapsulates so much of what they do and who they are, especially at this time. Like if you like the more droney aspects, guess what? There's like four or five full full records of that that you, that you can go listen to. Oh, you like the you like the the more Black Sabbath stuff? Okay, then go listen to the Heavy Rocks record. You know where there's just riffs, riffs on riffs. Yeah, I mean you like the drone stuff. They got a album with Sun for Christ's sakes. Right. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a great record actually. Very you know kind of a somber uh, record, but a very very nice record. Very good record. Yeah. So yeah, or if you like the all-out noise, if you're like, oh, I'm curious about that, I'm interested, then go listen to their Mersbau stuff. I forget the sun, sun baked snow. What was it? Sun baked snow something or the other? I mean, let me. I don't want to sun baked snow something. Yeah, it's their collaboration, one of their collaborations with Mersbau, but it's it's a really nice. It sounds great like record. a weird. Uh translating japanese to english or vice versa situation <laughs> yeah uh where is it uh anyways so they have a lot of the point being they have a lot of different things going on and you'll you can find what you like you know whatever it is and this record is definitely one where like they cover off on so much ground that like you can literally pick up any piece and it's oh, okay. Sunbake Snow Cave is the name of that record. Sunbake uh, Snow Cave, baby. Yeah, I actually I liked it a lot, but it is it is abrasive. So you know, it, it sounds like a like a uh, like Instagram guy that's like like a old punk rocker guy. <laughs> Sunbake Cave, man. What was it? Uh, Sunbake Snow Cave. Sunbake Snow Cave here, <laughs> showing you my records. What I just picked up. But yeah, so I guess I can get into it since I'm already sort of talking about this, but uh, into my history. Yeah, do your history, Adrian. Yeah, so because we, me and Caleb kind of overlap in a, in a lot of ways. I think he certainly went, he took the vein that we started exploring in high school and, and junior high, uh, You know, whether it's the Sabbath, the Melvins and all these, and he really ran with it. I kind of found the stuff that I liked and I kind of stuck in that zone, which is stuff like this, but during that time, we were getting into the heavier things, you know, like Earth, you know, especially that first Earth record, Earth 2, uh, which is just a, a kind of three or four, I forget the exact number, uh, drone pieces, but they're really good. And so we're kind of expanding our taste and our, our you know, horizons with stuff like that, that you know, like your older brothers were introducing us to. For me, particularly, I was, you know, getting really into like stoner rock at this time. And so bands like Caius and, you know, also shit like Monster Magnet and stuff like that, which is a lot of fun, but not necessarily the most, you know, intellectually yeah, stimulating. So, out. Yeah, exactly. You know, or uh, I don't know, uh, Fu Manchu or whoever other, you know, heavy yeah, bands I was listening like to at the time. Asshole metal. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Not quite. I think asshole metal is like. Is that it? That's probably a genre. It's Caleb would be like, oh, no, uh, asshole metal. Uh, <laughs> funny you should say that. but <laughs> uh, Yeah. And so, so I, I, but I was also starting, sort of starting to gravitate towards more intellectual stuff or like more like, I don't know, stuff that's more indie leaning for sure. Uh, like ISIS. Or even like post rock stuff like Tortoise that's getting into the more spacey kind of jazzy aspects of it, but but certainly Boris was a name that was mentioned with all these other bands, uh, and so I definitely had heard at least a couple of tracks from Heavy Rocks before this record, maybe even the full record. But I was really I really liked it. I just I never dug deeper into it. I knew that they had other records, and I knew 
I don't think I understood. I knew just how many I knew that they're like, Oh, there's these other ones that they like that, that are well-liked like a Kumano Uda or whatever. But it wasn't until later that I got into that. But uh, once pink dropped, which yeah, I think that's right when we were probably freshmen in college. So uh, I was still here in Santa Maria and, and uh, Caleb was up in uh, the gray, gray Humboldt, but I was really, I picked this up. I think I was, I went to Best Buy, as you, you mentioned earlier. I think it was literally one of those like, oh, this this looks awesome. I know Boris and uh, it's getting yeah, some, yeah. some acclaim and uh, the cover looks looks really intriguing. So uh, I picked it up and, you know, I remember popping up, pop, popping it into the CD player in the car and just being like, holy fuck, like this is A great. slider album, right? That had the yeah, it had the, the cardboard the, case. The cardboard, uh, the sleeve. The yeah. slip, the slip cover or whatever. Yes, the slipcover, uh, which I think had some nice die cut action. If I can't, if I'm uh, not mistaken with uh, the title, yeah, it's kind of uh, an iconic <laughs> mid 2000s album cover for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all versions actually of the album cover, but so yeah, I, I picked it up and like obviously, as someone who had already loved My Bloody Valentine, who's already getting into like you know, kind of more uh, droney, heavier stuff, this was like just hit at the right time and i was like oh like oh, okay this i'm gonna be obsessed with this band now from now on <laughs> and yeah. i went back and i i delved back into their back catalog catalog got into the joni stuff got into the you know the collaborations you know the the sun collaboration came out not too long i believe like maybe a few months after this uh in the u.s so it was really it was a good time to be a boris fan or to get into <laughs> boris and then and then, yeah, so then it became kind of a mainstay for me. It was one of those, like, uh, we talk about, like, the car, you know, the the, the center console of CDs. This was definitely one of those where it's just yeah. kind of constantly there. Like, I remember the, delivering... The six, the six disc changer. This is always in the barrel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, because it, it just always, like it always gets the mood up, gets you going. Like it was perfect for delivering pizzas because I was just like, I was already stoned out of my mind and, you know, I'm driving correct around. Correct me if I'm wrong, Adrian, at the pizza store that we both worked at, yes. it was occupied by stoners and metalheads and indie oh, yeah. kids. Top there the there had to have been pink Boris. Somebody must've burned a copy and threw it in the spindle. Think, you know, I believe it, it was, was a little I, early days. It, it, yeah. it was a very new album, but. I think that those guys in particular like kind of the more met uh, meathead kind of metal that we were talking about earlier. So I don't know if this one like would have Bongzilla was as yeah stonery as they got right, like or you know Electric Wizard or something like that. Yeah, it's a that's a little bit true, more yeah. seeped in the bong water. That's but true. um, but this one definitely, I think it definitely got play there and and people were vibed on it. But certainly in my car, it it got a lot of play and uh, going to Hancock as well, just being stone oh, at 8 30 in the morning weed, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly it's a Just great like... it made me want to start waking baking again <laughs> it's like yeah like a cup of coffee or not even like earl gray tea and like a joint listen to this man right well it's because it's just such a good one too where it's like it kind of lulls you in at first and like with that kind of drone you know it's kind of soft for a couple for a minute and then they hit you with a wall of sound and you're like all right i'm in i'm in i, I get it yeah. and then the song you know immediately cut to right like basically it it goes from like a bucolic you know or like a like a outer space scene to like a right in the middle of a car crash like boom like yeah. here you are like this is like a just a monstrous riff and the drums are gonna are going and we're just gonna we're off For so sure. it's like such a like a one-two punch and i, I always 
I love that about it about this band too, where they're 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 they can drop change on the drop of a dime from yeah. like Motorhead right into like the earth stuff and it's you know and it all meshes together i'll get to it in our slaps but you know adrian on this podcast we always say you cannot be considered a great album if you do not have that one two punch (laughs) i really that's kind of it's very rarely that that's not the case some i mean i'm sure there's examples of great albums that i don't think the first two the one two punch kind of Mm-hmm. A song one that plays off of a song two, and they're both bangers, both slappers. There's probably an example, but it's few and far between. Most great albums, most albums I love have the one two slapper, almost yeah. always. And I think honestly, once you because like one one hot song to start off, like okay, I I, I can see that, I feel you. But once you get to number two, and it's also good, and it plays off like like you're saying the first one. You know you're in for a good album. You know you're and in it's for in rides, conversation like... with each other. That's that's the main thing. That's the mm-hmm. takes it to the next level. Where right? And there's many many. Exa- I mean, ZZ Top as we brought up, well, a great example yeah. on uh, Trace Ombres on the for oh that. for sure. But anyways, moving on, listening. So like it had everything that I liked. You know, the Sabbath riffs, the the uh, My Bloody Valentine atmospheres. You know, very dense clouds of smoke. Uh, a lot of guitar <laughs> textures and theatrics that I love. Uh, so, it, you know, it, it was in the rotation for quite a while, but then it kind of it petered out as things do as like as I moved towards more the heavy things that I was gravitating towards were kind of the more spacey things, the more droney things, less the the the, the kind of motorhead style or the hard, you know, the the uh, hardcore style stuff. So returning to it now after just a little bit of time away from the from it, it's like it, it reminded me just how masterful this band is and like how in control of their talents they are like all all three of them because not only are they great players and like have the groove together uh, as as players together but like they they can like out basically they can outshine any bar band in the world if they wanted to but they (laughs) choose to be like the heaviest coolest metal band in the world right yeah you're right there is some bluesiness there's some mm -hmm. swing to the drums there's some glam glammy rock vocals some showy showy absolutely I mean, I'll put it this way: like this band, the drummer wears fingerless gloves and has a gong, and it's it seems <laughs> underplayed. Like it seems like, oh, you should have more. Like that's like it's it's just so good and so to them. Like I don't know, it's uh they're a great band, and uh it this kind of reminded me of how good they are because I had been listening to more of their drone stuff. So like Akuma Uda is one of my favorite records of theirs and um i also nice. really like amplifier worship which is again just these sheets of feedback and and you know essentially noise uh you know with that was also with... the name of your blog in the <laughs> late 2000s right yeah i gotta revive that uh you know my Still MP3 out blog. there <laughs> yeah in the in the murky depths of this it ran the from internet. 09 to to 2012 <laughs> Yeah, very brief, but uh, very yeah. prolific. As uh, uh, yeah, I did an article on there as like ranking the worst Craig Finn lyrics. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, uh, that's a band also that like they take the hard rock thing, but they do it in the complete opposite way, where they're opposite like, way, yeah, full on yeah, in the irony. They're like seventies no. too, yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, exactly. But like they're still partying, they're still boogieing, like it, but a different yeah, way for sure. Um, so yeah, th- this listening to this, I'm like reminded of like the power of rock, right? And like rocking hard, like 
it just reminded me like, oh yeah, this is this fucking rules. Like I I love this fucking shit. Like why am I not still listening to the Stooges or whatever or Sabbath or whatever? Uh, I mean, it, the answer is because there's just so much other stuff going on and new stuff that I'm interested in. But this is a good reminder to like, I need to t- take a step into the heavy world again and get back into some of this stuff. Yeah. Because See, me, I only still listen to Stooges and Sabbath. So, so I'm <laughs> yeah. always like, why am I not listening to more of the heavier music? Like, yeah, I should <laughs> catch up on Boris. I should check out the Japanese metal scene that Caleb was talking about. Right. Because like, I do love this certain types of metal like arm i love it as much as anything that i like well maybe that's a good spot because i was pretty much done maybe that's a good spot for you to jump in with your uh your history and your, yeah. your thoughts yeah thank you adrian yeah my history i've never been a metalhead just honestly compared to just like my brothers mm-hmm. and a lot of my friends they're they're mm-hmm. so metal you know very much so yeah but i always like the basics like i like I love Black Sabbath. They're one of my favorite bands. Even you know back then when I was a kid. Yeah, I that loved... was one of the ones that I think all all of us kind of. Uh, yeah. It was one of those glue bands. Where we're all like, yeah, For fuck sure. yeah, Sabbath. I yeah. loved, um, I loved Motorhead just because I thought they're like scuzzy. They reminded me more <laughs> of like a seventies kind of like a turned up, tweaked out version of like uh, ZZ Top or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're on the I'm reds sure, instead of I'm the sure they, I'm sure they crossed paths and had a <laughs> good time. <laughs> oh man. That, oh, that night must've been <laughs> spectacular. <laughs> they called that band the six shooter. That was a spinoff. And <laughs> um, El Paso red that night. And I liked, uh, you know, guns and roses and sure. Stuff yeah, like yeah. That I like that swaggering metal and I love like the stooges and, you know, Velvet Underground stuff that this album still evokes, mm-hmm. but yeah, like I, as to, I mean to say, I I would just wasn't much of a heavier music fan, and 2005 was like the height of my like current, you know, Pitchfork.com, yeah, reading every review, music, yeah. like following you know all the new bands, and I got kind of bogged down with a lot of indie stuff. And my brother Zachary, he he was always an avid collector. He'd buy CDs, and he would follow both indie music, but he always had a more of an ear towards, because he was a hardcore punk kid, so he had more of an ear towards stuff like Boris. So I'd always look to him for the harder stuff. But this album, honestly, he told me that like he's like Boris is awesome, and I used to just go through his CDs all the time. And just, but I didn't. I didn't even think I knew what was in store for me with Boris when I played Pink, just because I was going off the album cover, mm. and like it seemed more kind of punk rock. It seemed like it could be an indie band, and it was almost like a blind kind of listen for me. I didn't have much history with Boris, really. Sure. Just that I knew I probably had heard some stuff off the album prior for my brother, because I also remember that album cover too. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, so when I listened to it back in 05, I was like, oh yeah, this is great. But again, I didn't really fully embrace metal, especially that stoner doom metal until I started going to see metal bands, mm. you know? And this, yeah, and I can get into current history yeah. right now. Just listening to this album when we did it, I'm sad that Caleb can't be on it because he was always like, I had to go to like my younger brother a lot of time for the the good metal Rex. Um, he's a big 
he's a big advocate for metal and he also dives deep into you know label catalogs oh, and yeah. collect he's a big time collector so oh for sure he's got but, an encyclopedic um, knowledge that we don't have uh yeah. you know art because we're art you know yeah our tastes are kind of focused in different directions and that's kind of why we all kind of gravitate towards each other because you know we we cover the bases for each other and yeah. he definitely is like the the metal guy for us yeah and he him and my brother isaac do they they still listen to like all the new shit like mm -hmm. the new metal stuff like all the time i mean not all of it of course that's impossible but a lot still of picking it. up tapes and things but yeah. just listening to this boris album reminded me like yeah i need to go more metal shows i need to get more metal records i need to like see what's happening you know especially or like the the hardcore scene stuff like that it, it really inspired me with the heavy music because i was just listening to this album getting stoned i swear i've smoked more weed in the last <laughs> like three weeks than i have in a long time <laughs> just because i love like taking a little hit of a joint and like walking around listening to this album. Um, this is a very good headphones album. Headphones record for sure. Um, yeah, this album just felt inspiring. And I'm glad I did it because I, I, I hadn't listened to it in years, but I knew that yeah. I loved it. Same. Um, so I'm just glad I did. I, I'm just sad Caleb couldn't be on this one, but he'll, he'll be back. He'll be back. And his message was, you know, was great. We'll get him. We'll get him back when uh, for a metal uh, record one of these days. Uh, that way he can really show off his uh, his his expertise. But yeah, that's great. That's uh, I mean, I think I think one of the reasons that this podcast is is so great is that uh, especially for for us as hosts is that we get to explore these things that maybe we haven't thought about for a while. Maybe yeah, we haven't listened it's to. It's never it. great for the listeners. This, we do this <laughs> no, strictly for us. It's very selfish. If the listeners get any pleasure, that's just a byproduct of of this. Yeah, at this point, it's an oral history of three random friends from santa maria yeah, yeah it's like santa maria circa very specific circle of friends santa maria circle what did they say circa though, 1992 to 1990 the, whatever what's that the, uni the universal is in the specific yeah well you know well, it's not uh, even three friends it's two brothers and their friends it's even yeah. more specific <laughs> right exactly <laughs> and it also it's you know it, it, this was important record in our history and uh, for uh in terms of just like this was an impactful record for all of us just in terms of tastes and things and for, uh, certainly for me and so it's great to revisit it and to be reminded of how impactful it was and also to see why it had that impact because the songs are so fucking good and you know it holds together as an album so well i haven't heard the lp version i'm sure i would enjoy it and no. you know that was 73 minutes but I think just this version that I've kind of internalized and have known for for twenty years at this point almost, it's just it's a it's a just own cold classic for me. And so, you know, maybe was, we should uh, maybe yeah. we should. It was one of those albums. I forgot how the first song was so different from the rest of the album. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, this song. Like I almost associated. But it's not it with, a bait and switch, is it? No, thing. no, no. It's just a setup. Mm -hmm. um, and I almost i I forgot about it. I, like. I knew the song, of course, but it was almost like I misremembered it as from a different album or from just a single or something. But mm -hmm. then once it started, I was like, oh, yeah. And then the second song kicks in. And I remembered like just the whole sequence of this album. I was like, oh, yeah, this song, too. It was like, you know, that's why I love the, the, the 11 banger or slapper version of the album. Just 11 songs, 47 minutes. Yeah, and it's kind of starts. Listen this... to it twice. It has like replay. 
replay instant replay value like so, like you could throw it on this is a record too like a metal record that you can throw out at a barbecue and people wouldn't be completely like what the fuck is this it also uh, has that those like like if you break it down to like three song burst or two oh, yeah. song bursts you can just kind of yeah get a little taste that. of it throughout your day if you don't want to listen to the whole thing but just listen to like two songs in the middle or the two songs at the end or you know the two penultimate songs right well and then i was gonna say like it and it also like kind of it's kind of a cycle in a in a way because it starts off with like kind yes. of a the kind of like a softer droney thing uh my black valentine thing and then it ends on a drone but it's like the heavier yeah. boris drone so it's kind well, of like we're returning back to the you know kind of our vibey thing from sure. uh and in between it's all the hard rock and stuff and it's like uh sorry, yeah it has ahead. like a yeah. bookend yeah yeah We've exactly. talked about it enough. Let's get into the slap. Let's listen to that first song. All right. I think for I think that was on both of our lists, huh? I mean, it has to be, right? It's... Yeah. Farewell. Track one. This almost has like the a dream pop kind of yeah. essence to it. Who would ever think that like, especially if you're coming off of you know drone evil or whatever, absolute ego or one of their other records, and think like there's going to be like a cocktail twins kind of song yeah. sound on yeah, here. Yeah, a little cocktail. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's going to have that atmosphere. Again? It's like it's seven and a half minutes seven. long. So it's a perfect shower song. Like <laughs> I, I usually like to keep my showers at five minutes just to keep conserve, conserve water. water. Yeah. But if you're going to do a Sunday shower, <laughs> you know, a little extravagant, maybe drink a beer in there. <laughs> this is a great shower song. I will not disagree with that. Um, but I, I will say like these, these, as I said, these longer songs, they, they do not, they don't drag. They don't feel like seven minutes. Like, so uh, at least twice when I've listened, re-listened to this and recent, like for this, it's caught me off guard when it gets to pink. Still, like, I still like, yeah, that still that makes me jump. Like, Oh, such a great transition though. It is. And like, it's like, kind of perfect for the right uh, anyways uh, we're, we're, we're kind of repeating it i'm kind of repeating myself yeah. now so i'll get into the let's get into the song unless you had anything else to add no no it's a great song all right and i think we have to go from the top right like yeah yeah so here we go here is farewell by boris Previously on Friday Night Lights. <laughs> Couch. I murdered someone. Yeah, I remember when that happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Writer Strike 2011. <laughs> Is this what American football sounds like? <laughs> we'll get you that. We'll get you on there one of these days. Um, but yeah, actually, kind of. <laughs> That's kind of uh, a little jazzy. The drummer can do anything, dude. I bet you that dude can play some straight up jazz swing. Oh, shit, absolutely. Some bebop shit. He's a monster drummer and in a in a band of monster players, and there's only three of them. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he definitely has the not only does he have the chops, but he has the finesse. You know what I mean? Yes, like they don't always sure. have the the groove or the finesse, and he really does. Uh, but let's get a little deeper into this. I want to get to where the the shift here. So I think that. we hear a gong at some point. Oh yeah, he's he. I mean, he's all about the gong. But let's hear that that kind of shift where it, where it really kicks in here. Uh, here's some more from Farewell. 
Yeah. Just fucking great. Yeah, I could listen to just a whole album of that style song, which which they do have. <laughs> yeah, which or, you're in luck, buddy, because they do have that yeah. if you want. Um, Great lyric. He doesn't overdo it. There's not too no. much vocal on this album. There's always just enough. And he always sings. He always sings it just for like when on the on the scorching tracks. He has that like that kind yeah. of guttural metal. And I don't voice. know what he's saying. That probably no. Could it's be for, I mean it's all just better, <laughs> right? Uh, from what I remember reading the the lyrics, like they all are, they all are kind of your, you know, what you would think for a kind Stimpler. of high brown metal. I mean, band. they would have to be because there's just not that many words. No, they, but they're like they're they're like the the they're they're really <laughs> what can I say? Uh, they're poetic in the way that a band like this you would expect. I'll say that. Yeah, so it's it's, it's perfect. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that song's great. Yeah, let's. I'll play just a little bit more from the end. So here. heavy, but so like peaceful feeling. Like it really does have that My Bloody Valentine, where it could sound harsh, but like so kind of cheery, you know, or like pretty, even pretty, pretty. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was trying to say. There you go. Here's some of the some of the feedback stuff that I really love that throws in our middle and then. these squalls of sound man but they hit the drone part so well Mm -hmm. like so many indie rock groups of this time tried to have that layering swelling guitar yeah really fucked that up for a lot of yeah but they totally lacked that bottom sound yes heavy that bass like just the like the chug like that it just it's not there in a lot of 2005 indie music it's not enough to just go celestial. You need some. You need some rumble underneath that to really give yeah. it power. Uh, and they understand that. And it has like a psychedelic vibe. That makes me want to do some fucking mushrooms, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, <laughs> go like the volcano and do mushrooms or something. Yeah. So that's a. I mean, just a fantastic opening track. Set you up is like okay, all right. I'm. I see. Okay, we're in. We're in kind of a my bloody Valentine. I like this. Yeah. Then we got to play the transition, right? And then yes, yeah, so then you get towards the end here, and you're like, you're you're a sea of drones. So let's play that. And then and then they hit you with the second song, which is our again like our mutual uh, our mutual slapper here. The so title here track, the titular track. I mean, just rock and fucking roll. Such a great transition. Yeah. And that, that even was a little bit, I think there was a little bit of a delay between the two songs just because it's like online um, streaming or whatever, but like it, it is kind of like, so like a, it's such a like smash cut and it works so well. Pink is the real first song of the album the yes title track, farewell they're saying goodbye to like the last boris stuff Ooh, I didn't think like, about that yeah they're like this is the okay we'll give or, you this or it's like they're saying farewell we're gonna set you off on this fucking yeah, yeah. roller coaster farewell. now you got pink now you're really entering pink 
Like you just made it out the dock with the, you're sinking in pink here. Yeah, that was the christening of the ship was farewell, and then the the actual journey is pink. On yeah, the SS pink. <laughs> uh, let's hear a little bit more of this, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll discuss it on the other Great side. Great highlight. I mean, Ooh, that yeah. riff is sick. And the vocals are sick. It's top, all sick. Yeah, top to bottom sick. Let's see. Play, play a little bit more, and then we'll get we get into it a little bit more. So here we go. Here is some more from Pink. By Boris. Jazzy. There's like hardcore scenes that are trying to sound like that song to this day. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. It's still a, there's, I, I don't blame influence. them. It's great. Keep doing yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. And then, but the thing is like these guys, again, no sense of irony. No, like there's no tongue in cheek this to it. The only t- tongue in cheek aspect is like the over the top performance, but it's in line with what they're doing. Like, it's not like. They they're not clowning himself. on it. They're like, they love it. So, yes, exactly. They can't help himself. He loves it so much. That's why he's like, why, that's why he says, woo. Like he just, he's yeah. That's, moved a great, by the that's what I love about these guys too. That a lot of times, sometimes that's missing for me is vocal performances in certain types of metal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love how he has that punk Rocky kind of glam Rocky, those little tricks in there, the little woos and the, I mean, there's a couple of people singing on this one, but mm-hmm. just, uh, I love that intro. Like it does give me some Stooges vibes, you know, some Iggy pop vibes. It's some seventies hard rock vibes for sure. Yeah. And like, like you MC5 said, five or something. Yeah. Both, both, uh, Atsuo and Takeshi sing on this. And when they, uh, I've, uh, seen them live a couple of times and I've also seen them with Caleb, uh, once, but uh, when they play live, it's very impressive to see him nail these drums, like and the flashiness and of the singing. drums and singing, and also uh, Takeshi playing his his bass guitar, also bass and, and guitar. Adrian, I'm looking at the length of this song. It's four minutes and twenty seconds. That's <laughs> yeah. not that's not by accident. That's no, that's by design, my friend. I mean, weed. I think is still super illegal in Japan. So, like, yeah. if you're doing a four twenty, that's a that's... little like that's a little little flag for the, the freaks out there smoking weed <laughs> yeah exactly i think these guys i don't know if they're still big time stoners but i'm pretty sure at some point these guys are huge huge big time uh marijuana enthusiasts yeah uh anyways what was i gonna say uh let's listen to a little bit more here of the end and then we can jump into our next i think we have uh some separate tracks here that we wanted to call out so we'll get to that but Here is some more of the titular track from the album Pink by Boris. so good so tight yeah exactly and that's the kind of thing like you could see there like they can they switch tempo switch time like 
they are a, t a very tight band i mean you would expect nothing less from a japanese band frankly like they i feel like the asian artists when they take american music they really just put us to shame with how good and how tight they can they can well, make because i think it's like they're not afraid of the cliches they're just like if no you do right it well then that's fine that's the whole point yeah exactly like we want to nail it we want to yeah. be over the top and like play when, a gong yeah <laughs> it's like when like like the french new wave did like classic hollywood noirs or like lovingly but they're like yeah but you can make these movies like super short and chaotic and like yeah you can fuck it you can fuck with all the stuff you can fuck with them yeah like you can you can mix it up and make it your own and it's still gonna come out and hit the same way that those movies did uh which is what you know what they're doing here which is like we're taking motorhead and we're you know putting it into our boris machine and it's gonna come out this fucking smoking rocker right here but yeah, so uh, I had another another one, but it's it's the end. So maybe we we can get some uh, another. Uh, Mine is also slapper from you. My other slapper is also towards the end. It's song number eight. Oh, okay. Well, let's see. I'll I'll I have you a couple of honorable mentions. In the middle there? Yeah, I have a couple of honorable mentions. We can just a little play a little snippets from. So I think electric is a great kind of underappreciated, not underappreciated, but kind of a kind of a sleeper on this. It's very short. It's 145, but it's like the most boogieing of the all the tracks. And it's kind of a nice kind of it comes right in the middle. It's a nice transition towards to the back end. I don't know. I just I really like it. And I always like this riff. And you could tell that they're having a fun time playing it. You know, that's always great when you can hear the you can hear the band's exuberance and the joy of of them For playing. Sure. I don't know. You have any thoughts on this one? No, it's here. It's a quick one. Yeah. So let's see. Let me, uh, let's get a little bit into this one. So here is Electric by the band Boris. <laughs> Almost like industrial drumming or something. Or like I think yeah. in the article in the review rather, he mentioned that there's like some post-punk elements here, and that's definitely incorporated here towards the end of the song. Yeah, but, I had that little little kind of that, that little, little yeah. Morse code little beeping <laughs> at the end. Yeah, this this thing here. Oh. Yeah. And then it goes right into the boogie. I mean, Jesus, listen to those drums. That sounds like, like Grand Funk Railroad. <laughs> right? Like it could have come out in like 1974 <laughs> <Aerosmith> or something. <laughs> exactly. Like it, they could like it could have been a stomper from that era and you wouldn't bat an eye. And like that's I that's why I love about it. And then I'll I'll just play another uh one that I like a lot which is my machine actually well let's get to yours first because i think it comes before that one so oh yeah i had the song number eight afterburner Ooh, i yes. think this is like a real swamper kind of maybe the most like, sabbathy of the sabbath ones bluesy yeah either like yeah the way sabbath interprets like american blues rock like yes. this is kind of filtered through that um and yeah it's just a jammer 
yeah that's another again like it's not like it's buried towards the end but like they they keep every song here is like perfectly placed and this one especially is like after like kind of i think pseudo bread's kind of the more noisy one if i'm uh remembering correctly so yeah i think so it kind of gets you back into like okay and now we're getting into this sort of sabbathy riffy kind of more like you're saying swampy thing did you have a time that you want to listen to well if we could hear it from the beginning because i think i really there's a killer opening riff and i love the the vocal the song structure of this too and then i did have one what did i say it was like around the almost like a 215 215 yeah sort of kind of switches it up but this one's kind of almost has like a funky kind of element to it yeah there are definitely moments here where I'm like, this like is like not, I mean, it's far away, but it's not like unimaginable that like, yeah. uh, I feel Red like Hot Chili if Caleb was here or could, something, if Caleb was here, you could trace the, it's like, yeah, it has the funk. Oh yeah. This is, it's because of this. It has the base of on this here and yeah, right. this and that. And this. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we need his metal expertise on this one. Cause it does. It does have that DNA of like a like a boogie kind of mm-hmm. hard rock sound. And boogie metal is a whole separate yeah, kind yeah. of a world too. So uh and they're playing with that. But anyways, should we listen to it? Or unless you got anything else For to sure. say? All yeah, right. Let's hear this. Here we go. Here is Afterburner by Boris. Guzzy. It could almost be like a blur song or something. <laughs> yeah. And it's also the like kind a of goofy song on like a blur album. Right. Just a little bit more maybe keyboards or something to make yeah. it really blur song. But it also sounds like the kind of the kind of riff that always existed. Like she just pulled it out of like some primordial sure. ooze. It's just like, oh, this is like an er level yeah. riff here. Blue, bluesy, yeah. Yeah, very bluesy, you know, just a kind of a classic, uh, heavy, bluesy Uh, lick. And that would be great if the song just sounded like that all the way through, but it doesn't. If you could play like the, what did I say, 215 mark? Yeah. The the middle towards the end section, it gets really heavy and like really swampy and like really scuzzy. This is some scuzz rock right here. Yeah. So here's a little bit of that from Afterburner by Boris. I know it sounds like the Beastie Boys. <laughs> like the, uh, check your head. Check your there. head. Yeah. yeah. They're punk rock songs. Definitely Blue Cheer. Headbang. That's like, yeah, like a, the best bar band you ever seen type roadhouse metal shit. Exactly. Just fuzzed out, just whiskey soaked. 
Ah, yeah. man. Very good. Very so good. good. All right. You got Very another good. slapper? Yeah. So I'll play a little bit of kind of an honorable mention one, which goes into my last slapper. So, uh, Very nice. There's a this I like a lot of bands do this where there'd be like a nice little palate cleanser towards the end. And in this case, it's right before like this big epic finale. So it's kind of a necessary thing, especially after um, track nine, which is another just, you know, rollicking banger uh, six, three times, uh, which is a great, great title. Great, great title. So then it goes into this kind of more atmospheric ambient thing, uh, which I'll start playing here and I'll talk a little bit over it, but. So it has this kind of like, you know, Eno, Frippertronic, not quite Frippertronic, but like Eno-ish-esque kind of ambient vibe. And then, you know, it's just kind of really calm and spacey. Yeah. Very and pretty. Very pretty. I, re I really like it. And it's it a little darkness in there. And that kind of primes you for the last song, which is called Just Abandon Myself. And this is like, it's a very epic track. It's kind of constantly you know, moving forward, but then it also evolves in very interesting ways. And I think this is probably one of the tracks that they extend to like 20 minutes on the, on that full LP. Version, yeah, it must be. Which I can only imagine is like, kind of like a, uh, kind of like the white light, white heat, that last track on there, where it's just yeah. like 20 minutes of scronk. But this is like 20, it would be like, uh, on this, on this record, it's, the uh, Sister Ray. Sister Ray. Yes, exactly. This is like, uh, just like the 10 minute workout of like, kind of a lot of the things that came before it, but it's also just kind of its own beast. And I really, I don't know, I always have liked it and it's always kind of sucks me in and it's kind of a nice, just a nice hypnotic way to end the record. You know, we always like when people, when um, artists or bands end the record with a banger, you know, we always appreciate that. And I think this is exactly their version of that. And then to, to end it, to end the song itself with a, a drone piece where it's kind of like, we're letting the guitars kind of feed back out and, you know, the, the bass is kind of locked in and the and, you know, drums are locked into a groove or like right before that. And it's just, it's, I don't know, it's a really great driving song. And uh, I've always, it's always been one of my favorites on the record, but you, you guys, you got any thoughts on this one? Oh, just great closer. Yeah. Real slapper shows their experimental side for sure. Yes. But yet like doesn't betray the whole album and the aesthetic they're going for. No, and it's never gets boring or anything either. You know, with these long songs, sometimes there's you know, places where you tune out or whatever, but you never really tune out for these songs. But here we go. Here's a little bit of Just Abandoned Myself, the closing song on Boris's Pink. Giving it the best, the best I ever had. <laughs> has like a kind of like bubblegum pop like cadence to the oh interesting to the delivery a little bit like early afi yeah, or something yeah, not as yeah. snotty but like sure that driving yeah like anthemic quality like the crowd singing along 
Oh yeah, it's, there's definitely like a bigness to it, right? Yeah. Like there's like a like an well, expansiveness like, to it. Cause it's kind of like a little yeah, like skateboard punk thrash going on there. Yeah, I was gonna say it kind of reminds me of not necessarily in sound, but in terms of like the the tone and like the the you know the minor key aspect of it. Kind of reminds me of like the Wipers in terms of like the vibe. Oh uh, yeah, for which sure. uh, another great great band that's definitely I think a punk rock song even the title is like kind of yeah. punk rocky almost emo quality to the song title just abandoned myself right and even on the record i mean here on uh spotify it's it's uh it's myself one word but on the record it's split it's like hyphenated to my hyphen self <laughs> i don't <laughs> nice. know that's that even like adds more to it even <laughs> like you know but anyways, here here's a little bit more. I think here's where it's it shifts a bit. It shifts like two or three times, but I think there's there's some subtle evolution going on here. So let's listen to this from uh from the middle. Yeah. <laughs> that so shit awesome. goes off he does I love how yeah. it like ends kind of off the rails yeah so we'll get to that here you can you can hear it's already they're hinting like oh we're gonna we're gonna get to the drones in just a little bit yeah. uh and then they really they really dive in here at the end but uh yeah it's it's one of the reasons i love this track is because it does evolve and then it, it does bring in that sludgy ambient droney aspect of them that For i sure that i really love so much so here's a bit of that ending And now that's the Boris that I, you know, that, For that sure. is another iconic version of themselves. I mean, it's it's wild that this band can have like three, four different versions of themselves and still be like yeah, the same, like Boris, you know, but they all work together and they all, yeah. and here is where it all comes together on run record, really. And I think we gave a pretty good taste of the, our choice of slappers there, but you could have picked five other songs on this 11 the other six Easily. songs and then been... i mean blackout's a great drone piece like yeah blackout's fantastic song woman um, on the screen you know is another wild one um that's the one that i love i think you oh you played a little bit pseudo bread did, did you play a oh little i didn't bit? play any of it i oh, mentioned no. it but i yeah, can play a little a bit good... of it you want to play that and then we'll go into the break um, yeah yeah here is uh here is a little pseudo bread to play us out uh by and we'll uh, get back with the rankings and the ratings and the what happens oh yeah all that good stuff close it out we're almost done here guys stick with us coming to the other end of this but here is a little pseudo bread to close us out
All right, welcome back. Uh, we missed the category wax because there are none, you fuckers. That's right, not applicable to this record. Yeah, yeah there's no honestly, maybe on those, close. yeah, not even close. Maybe on those longer versions of the record, maybe there's elements that we would snip. Uh, maybe that's you know, they did that Some editing, yeah. But then again, who knows? Maybe, it, maybe you know, maybe it was just because it was a CD that they held back. Uh, who knows? But anyways, yeah, no, there's no fat here, really. It's all good. Like, and even if there's there's a song, let's say maybe you're not vibing with as much, chances are that you give it a minute, there's going to be something that you do like, or it'll switch into to a different track that's going to completely bring yeah. you back. You there's know? some detours, but I feel like they're always in setup for the punch of the mm -hmm. next song. It's all in service of the sequencing of the album absolutely you it's can't all really peace. take it away or restructure it which is so bizarre like that there's so many different versions of this album <laughs> i, I know, don't right? know if i want to listen to <laughs> i think that i mean i think maybe that's... like the 55 minute lp version i guess but oh yeah i don't know if i want a 74 minutes of this I, i'm not sure 73 is a bit much i think that the reason that they switch things around is probably because of the technical limitations of sides on an lp that's true is, Obviously, uh, there's, you know, only so much they can put on one side. So I think that's probably why things shifted around. But then again, who knows? Maybe there is a much more, you know, mysterious and esoteric reason for them to do that. But either way, whatever version you can get of this, listen to this motherfucker because it is good. And on yeah, that note, speaking of good, yeah, let's get to our uh, let's rank it ratings. Oh, we should have had Caleb leave us a rating. I mean, oh. I think we probably know it'll be in line with what we what, what yeah. we come up with here. So, and I was for whatever reason, I was like, oh, maybe I'll give it like a nine point five or something. Maybe it's not perfect, but I don't care if it's not perfect. No, I really love this album, so I'm gonna give it a ten. Go with the heart. You know, I similarly had that going in. I was like, you know, am I really gonna give this like a nine point eight? Like, what's the point of that? Like, yeah, it, no, it's a ten album. It's a 10 album. It's a 10 experience listening to the album. Uh, and they're like, a 10 band, you know? It'll lead you down the path to discover other 10.0 albums. Yeah, whether it's by Boris or whether it's by any of their influence, any of the bands yeah. we talked about here, any of the bands. It's a um, great like diving board album is what I would call it. <laughs> like, yes. It brings you into the, the, the soup of all this sh weirdo heavy <laughs> experimental shit let it be your gateway drug into the the wide and you know varied world of uh metal because there are just so many branches you can go off into whether you are like i'm more of the hardcore punk guy or as caleb said you know i'm more of the, the classic kind of rocker you know denim vest guy let's fucking go that direction and if you're like me and you love drone and you love ambient music there's plenty of that for you as well and that's just the band, you know. And if you want yeah. their influences, that's a whole other there's a whole other world that you can get into. So yeah, and this doing this podcast, this an album like this is often a glass of fresh water in the the desert of the indie blog rock era that we cover a lot of times. Yeah, especially coming off off of uh, the No Twist, which oh, was uh, yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it, but you know. Not the most exciting, not the not the not our greatest heights, but to to, yeah. to hit this after that and to be, and it's it's a spectacular record. And I think it's uh, I'm glad that it's remained kind of a touchstone for a lot of young artists and a lot of young bands, as you said. Like there's still bands that sound like this that 
are trying to ape this sound but just can't because it's you know yeah. it's impossible to sound this good for a lot of these guys so well that leads us to our next category whatever happened well it's a 10.0 album mm -hmm. whatever happened to these guys they're still going they came out with an album this year yeah i think or they like came an out... ep thing they're yes. always doing comps and they're on a bunch tour of shit they also i believe just finished up a leg of a tour here in the in the states or maybe they're still on um, it i gotta go see him yeah so you have have you seen them you no, haven't seen them. I don't think so. No, I don't think I have. Yeah, I've seen them at least twice, maybe three times. I'm it's, 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 memory's a little fuzzy on that one, but uh saw them with Caleb once and then I've seen them other times. But if you ever get a chance to see them, this is definitely an act that you that live really brings it. And it's it sounds like the like as astounding as that seems, like sounds like the record. Like it's it's fantastic and and uh they're great performers. Yeah. So yeah fucking and yeah so yeah they're still around they're still they've done you know some soundtrack work they've done a lot of different experimental things and they're still they're still putting releases out there i will also say like they are a very fun follow on social media they just kind of showcase their day-to-day -day life and stuff but they seem like just cool vendors people that make some heavy ass fucking music so very cool. uh, give them a follow on uh twitter slash x and or oh, instagram God. <laughs> All right, what is next? Uh, we play a game. Yeah, you got a little game for us? We play a game. I don't really have a game. I was thinking Boris is pink. I was thinking we could do top five color albums. Mm. Albums that are named after a color. That's interesting. Now, there's some unofficial ones. You got like right. the, the band, the brown album. Uh, the, well, the white album the Beatles, is that the too. White. The black album, Metallica. Yeah, it's a self-titled. You got the black album. You got the green blue, album. The, the blue, blue album. album. <laughs> the white album. The red album. The, yeah. the yellow album. I think they're up to yellow at this point. <laughs> Maybe even purple. So, anyways, <laughs> I'll offer this one. Okay, number one with a bullet, I think, for color albums. Joni Mitchell's Blue. Ooh, yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I'll offer up for number two. In that same vein, Miles Davis, kind of blue. Kind of blue. Sticking with the blue. Yeah. I'm going to go number three. I'm going to do Taylor Swift's Red. <laughs> Just to try to... We can get Taylor Swift in the show notes, and maybe that'll drive some traffic. <laughs> no, I'm going with King Crimson's Red. Oh, you took mine. That's... I just listened to that, What too. is it? Two? Uh... Oh, is it 82? Somewhere thereabouts. Gotta uh, love that album cover. Bunch of middle-aged dorks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then you listen to it. It's a, it's another heavy record. It's a great record. I actually love That's that. That's a crazy uh, record. I love the titular track, and I love the uh, the last track as well. Very. Good I always stuff. combine those. Discipline and Red, they're like, to me, I like have them in my mind as like the same album. I, I feel like I listen to them as a pair. Uh yeah, I I often do that actually, and it yeah. you know, it kind of works. Because they're but... both like seven songs a piece. Mm -hmm. kind of, they fit together. They're both red. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean all that mid seventies to early eighties like crimson stuff is just I love it. Yeah, it has some like weird jazz stuff going on. Yes, funk. Yes, yes. They're funky as hell. <laughs> as funky as 
Englishman can be. Uh, Ella, Ella Funk, I believe, speaking, is one of the titles. Of the speaking song. of funk, though, I, I think coming in at number four. What do you got? Prince. Purple Rain. Purple Rain. I guess yes. we're kind of stretching it there, but. Yeah, well, let's put Prince at three, I think. Let's bump him over. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um. Yeah, I know. Let's. I'm trying to do like pure color, just yeah, pure color. Oh well, there's the Baroness records. Uh, I don't know if you're into the band yeah, Baroness. Purple. They have purple. I think they have. They got a stoner metal quality. White. Yeah, for sure. And then kind of a southern rock vibe too. Which also, an, also a band that tends to switch it up a lot. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. But for colors, what else see. we got? Well, what do you think of the brown album or the white album or the mm. black album? Of those three, right now, I would probably big put Big Pink music for Big. Oh, pink. music for yeah. Another okay, pink. there we go. Let's do Big Pink. Big yeah. Pink number five. Number Not five. the band, the Big Pink. Remember <laughs> them? Oh yeah, that's right. I was right around this time. <laughs> Speaking of monstrous gothic drums, yeah. I never uh, heard them. I don't think I just remember. They're the album good. Together. I think they were kind of like a Jesus and Mary chain kind of. You know, yeah, remember when like all the bands trying to sound like that? Lo-fi kind of harsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something or not like low. That. Yeah, I guess low. Kind of eighties influenced fuzz, fuzz rock. Anyways, that's a solid list right there. Okay, what was it again? Number one, <laughs> Joni. Joni Blue. Two, kind of Miles. Blue. Three. We bumped Prince up, so Prince, Prince is Purple three. Rain. Four, Crimson. <laughs> Crimson. <King> Crimson dead. <laughs> and five was the music from the Big Pink by the yeah. band. That's a that's hell a of a hell music of... fest right there. That's a good afternoon right there. That's a <laughs> yeah. Line those five albums up. <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, Take Prince is dome. dead, so we couldn't do that music fest. <laughs> oh, our miles. <laughs> Joni Mitchell came back from the dead. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm so glad that she's doing well and is you yeah. know seems to be happy with do, you know performing again. And she's a two hundred dollar. Uh, uh, concert. If if she came to California, I would spend two hundred dollars. Oh. Honestly, yeah. I, I don't think spend... that's going to happen because he lives in like whatever, Newport or something. Yeah. And I don't blame her, you know. Uh, I should say Newport. What is that? New Hampshire or something. But uh, yeah, th- she's definitely an artist where it's like any amount, uh, similarly, Kate Bush, any amount, I'll pay it this year. But wow. uh, we'll see what happens with that. All right. Should we end Great. this episode? Yeah, let's close it up. What are we doing in the next episode? Ooh, we got something very exciting for the next one, actually. I don't even know. You, you don't even it. know? Okay. No, I forgot about this part. My hosting <laughs> duties. Yeah, we're a little rusty on the two-hander here, but we'll we'll get it, folks. Yeah. No, but we're switching gears here quite a bit, and we're, we're, we're moving back to the States after a sojourn into Europe and the Far East. We're going back to Philly? Is that where she's from? Uh, but we're gonna do uh, Missy Elliott. Missy Ooh. is she's from Philly? Is that right? Where's she from? No, she's know. from she's Virginia from uh, Beach. Virginia Beach. That's right, famously. Or no, okay. Richmond, Richmond, Virginia. Uh, Virginia though, right? Famously, yeah. Virginia, Richmond. She, I mean, her and Timberland. Her and Timberland. That's Magoo. right. It's all coming Rest in together. peace, Magoo. Right. Rest in peace. That's right. Uh, just recently. Yeah, Fairly Richmond. Recently. They were the Richmond. Virginia Beach kind of connection. There. That's right. And then clips came out later. Yep. Came out of there later. But anyways, this is that's gonna be really great. We're doing Miss E So Addictive, which was Woo! a monster hit. I mean, Holds up you could spoiler. not 
Oh, yes. And you cannot escape this album or these tracks when they were, you know, back in what, 03 or 02 or whatever it was 20 released. years ago? Uh, I believe 03. That's right, man. People have been man. buying her shit for 20 years. Yeah. I think that she's starting to, she, she's gotten her flowers more recently. I think people are starting to be like, oh, she's kind of underappreciated, oddly true, enough. True for weirdo. A, true weirdo, true artist, true willing to take chances with pop music and ways and and you know rap music in ways that yeah. a lot of her fellow performers were not even the men maybe especially the men who were just especially not especially the men uh, but she was just always doing some, her own thing and uh you know we, we love her for it and so yeah we're gonna do missy so addictive i'm so looking addictive. forward to that one so addictive it's spelled weird look it up you'll find it yeah it's miss e dot, miss dot, e. Dot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a futuristic it's a very um y2k album cover kind of yeah which is coming back funnily enough funny <laughs> enough oh it's 2001 that, oh my yeah, that, 2001 it's uh, very millennium turn of the century album cover but yeah back uh yeah back in the day all right we'll Great. get into it okay as always i gotta look up the outro <laughs> i forgot about this part well it starts with a thank you to someone very close to you Thank you to Kiki Ontiveros for our whacking, slapping, whack song, <laughs> slapping theme song. Thank you to Adrian for all your stellar production work. Check out our website, wackerslaps.com. Make sure to follow us on the socials at wackerslaps. Talk some shit via email at whackorslaps at gmail.com. For Noah and Adrian, I am Caleb. Strike that. <laughs> For Caleb and Adrian, I am Noah. And this has been Wacker Slaps. And as always, one free Palestine. Let's go. Free Palestine and Konnichiwa.